This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Let's take a second to thank today's sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is by far the absolute easiest way to make a podcast. And when I say easy, I mean easy. First of all, it's completely free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit right from your phone or your computer. Best of all, with Anchor, you can add any songs from Spotify directly to your episodes. So the possibilities are endless on what you can create. Whether you want to create a music analysis, your own radio show, a deep dive on your favorite genre or artist, or something that the world's never heard before. Anchor will even help publish your show to Spotify so you can reach hundreds of millions of listeners. Oh, did I mention there's no copyright on the songs? Yeah, it's that easy. If you guys want to start a podcast that includes music, or you guys just want to start a podcast in general, get started by downloading the free Anchor app or going to anchor.fm. And if you need some inspiration, you can head over to blog.anchor.fm slash music from some more idea starters. Thank you so much, and let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Real Real Podcast with Natalie Barbu. Instagram might be your highlight reel, but we're here to talk about the real real. Hey everyone, and welcome back to The Real Real Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. In today's episode, I am interviewing Maho. Maho is an author and designer dedicated to guiding women to design their creative purpose. In today's episode, we talk about what the good girl mentality is and how to break out of it, and we also talk about breaking out of the mold you were given to fit into and how to find your purpose. I feel like this is a great episode on really finding yourself in as cheesy as that sounds, but I feel like a lot of us are constantly kind of being told what to do what we should do or we just feel external pressure of what is right and we don't really allow ourselves to do what we truly want or to even think about what we actually want to do in life so I really think that this is a great episode if any of you guys are going through that and I also am really excited to have her on I recorded this actually in I want to say like beginning of May maybe it's been it's been quite a few months um since I did record this episode with her and I did not do a video portion of this episode so as of now this episode is still going on YouTube but it will not be um video format for the interview just like the intro and outro will be a video format so I hope that you guys are okay with that but from here on out all of the videos um all the interviews will be videos on YouTube as well as you can stream it anywhere just like listen to a normal podcast anywhere on iTunes um Spotify anything like that but I did want to say that I'm really glad that you guys are liking the video format I think it's really cool that I'm able to do something like that and it's definitely different because like 
I'm, I'm definitely not used to it to doing the video format of the podcast but I know that you guys are loving it and you guys have been really loving my recent episodes so I did want to thank you guys for that I am looking for the reviewer of the week they are saying this pod is exactly what I didn't know I needed as a senior in college it's time to start planning out my future and I truly have no clue what that looks like this podcast is great for giving insight on the hustle and the million of different ways that can look great listen and super motivating I hope that this episode is another one of those really super motivating episodes I hope that you guys enjoy it um glad that you guys have been loving it and let's just jump into the episode let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production especially when you are battling frizz and take it from me I live in Miami Florida it is about to be summer I really know frizz but honestly I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or re-watching the heirs tour for like the third time you know the important stuff but who actually has time for frizz Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 400 50 degrees, reduces inner pair split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration, and according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. 
Hi, Maho. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. It's my pleasure, Natalie. So before we get started into the topics, we're going to start with setting the record straight. This is just where I say some assumptions or stereotypes, and then you're going to tell me if they're true or false and why you think that way. Let's go. The first one is other people's opinions do not matter. Mm, I think that is false. I think other people's opinions matter if you are trying to design something that is helpful to them and you genuinely want their feedback. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, there's, I think constructive criticism is a huge thing that sometimes people confuse for negativity, but I think it's, you can actually learn a lot from it. Absolutely. And I think that we as women really need to learn how to filter feedback properly because we don't want, we don't want feedback to knock us over. We don't want someone's opinion to like knock us off center and discourage us from doing what we really want to do. Yet we also don't want to discard it completely as nonsense. Um, So how do we be level headed about opinions and ask ourselves, yeah, what's true about that? But also what can I discard about that? Uh, So having some filtering uh, mechanism is important, I think. Right. No, I actually really do love that because I do think sometimes we're told, like, don't listen to anyone. It's all on you. Like, it's okay. Or it doesn't matter what people think. But I think it is important to be able to filter it and also take it um, as criticism or as feedback and use it to help you out, actually. Totally. And I think, again, some questions to ask yourself is, you know, is this somebody I want to reach with what I'm doing? So let's say you have a creative idea and you put it into form and you show your mom and she gives you an opinion that's discouraging. Um, you got to ask yourself, well, you know, that's my mom. So maybe, maybe I need to filter that out because my project's not actually reaching my mom. My project is meant for uh, millennial, creative millennial women who are job seeking, for example. Um, so I think also being like, who am I trying to reach in, with what I'm doing or, and whether that, you know, and filtering from there. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the next one is all of our limitations are in our mind. I think this is also false. <laughs> I was expecting uh, this to be false too. Sometimes I put these in and I'm like, I think I know what they're going to (laughs) say. Do you ever have someone, do you do the same ones with everybody or do you change them depending on who you talk to? No, I I make a new one for whoever I talk to, whoever it's very fitting for the podcast. Wow. I would be fascinating to understand why you chose these ones for me. Um, Well, I think it's, I think it's false because, um, The reason I think it's dangerous thinking is um, if we think that all the limitations are in our own mind, we might put a lot of pressure on ourselves and we might feel guilty or frustrated with ourselves when things aren't going our way. And we might say, why? Why isn't it going our way? Um, What's wrong with me? So I think it can lead to self-blame. So, um, and the truth is... Uh, you know, thinking back about things like privilege, for example, (laughs) some of us actually do have more power and privilege than others. So that's like an external um, opportunity or or affordance that we need to be sober about, right? Like, um, so I think that's why I kind of hesitate when it's, it's, 
it's the, uh, the extreme of like, oh, you can do anything. It's all in your mind. It's all your potential. I'm like, wait a second. It's also where I was born into, what family I was born into, where I live. Like there's so many factors that go into us being successful as well. So to take those into account, um, in addition to our own mental state. Now, having said that, of course, uh, our mental state is so important. And in my work with women, I talk a lot about looking at our own resistance, particularly when we want to take a risk, you know, maybe we want to change jobs or maybe we want to start a business. We come up against our own resistance, the, the voice inside our head that tells us, we can't, we shouldn't, uh, we don't have this, we don't have that, we're not good enough. All of that resistance is something that we can actually overcome and work with. So that's real too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I really like what you said about it is about privilege too, about where you were born, who your parents are, the connections that you already have. I mean, I think I've been talking a lot more about that on my channel and being more outspoken about it because just living in a city like New York, I kind of see it a lot more. Like I see the people who kind of were, are there because their parents had a connection or it's a lot easier for them to find a nice apartment or get a good job. And I'm just seeing it a lot more with the situations that I've been placed in. Absolutely. And also, you know, it's also good to just be, again, I keep using the word sober, but like realistic about, you know, we're born as women or girls into girls and women into the patriarchy, right? And the patriarchy is like an entire system of oppression that we're born into that tells us we're second place, we're number two, right? And if you're a woman of color, it's saying you're, you know, third or fourth place, like you're down the, the ladder. So we're actually born into a world with a lot of messages about what it means to be a woman. And so we get limitations set on us and that those affect our mind. And it's up to us to actually decondition and unlearn all that garbage we've inherited from society and the patriarchy in order to really step into our power. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd love to talk more about that on the podcast, but that brings me to the next one, which is we're all taught from a young age what is expected from us. True. <laughs> I think this one is true. I do think we're all taught from a young age what is expected from us. Um, we are taught to be, as women, we're taught to be good instead of powerful. I mean, how many, I just the other day, I was, you know, not the other day, but I'm thinking about hanging out with little girls and, and it just slips out of my mouth. I just say, good girl, you know, mm -hmm. and then I catch myself. I'm like, why am I saying that? Because it's just what was said to me and what I see other people saying to young girls. It's like, wow, you're such a good girl, you know? and um, we need to catch ourselves uh, with what we we say to children, and also we need to think back to what we we were we were told as little girls because that really affects our leadership today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you kind of have to unlearn some things as you get older. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so now, just tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background. Sure, um, I am. Argentinian. So I was born in Argentina and I immigrated to Canada when I was only two years old. And I moved around a lot. 
I went to several schools. I lived in several cities and homes around Canada and the United States. So I never really felt like I belonged. And one of the ways that I coped with that, my coping strategy, was to become a really good girl. I was daughter of immigrants, uh, straight A student, kind of trophy winning uh, girl who was chasing that gold star, you know? Um, and that landed me in a dead end, dead end job in my early 20s, uh, where I was in a cubicle working at a research center. I just get heavy just thinking about it, <laughs> where I, you know, would have to, literally, I have this funny story of people don't believe that I did this, but I used to wear sunglasses at my job because I found the fluorescent lights to be so bright <laughs> and oppressive that I was like, I need to, I also think it was a metaphor for me, like wanting to disappear and hide. Um, I eventually fell into, you know, a depression in my early twenties because I didn't have a purpose. I didn't know what, I didn't even know who I was. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I was uh, searching for answers, searching for truth. And so that led me on a big journey um, throughout my 20s to discover myself and to unlearn a lot of what we were talking about earlier around expectations and rules and all that good girl stuff that I had picked up throughout the years. Right. Yeah. I'm actually also a daughter of immigrants. So both of my parents um, were not born in the United States and they both immigrated to the U.S. in when they were 18 years old. And so I understand that feeling of having to be the best or being very successful. And I studied engineering in college and it wasn't really because I was that passionate about it. It was really because it was like, that's what you should do because that's what makes you successful. Totally. Yes. Engineering, medicine, law, the sort of right. safe, the safe professions. Um, at, yeah. I think, I think when you are a daughter of immigrants, you um, feel the pressure to repay your parents. And right. the way, the way that you think you need to do that is to, by, by being the good daughter, by being the one who uh, goes and gets the secure job so that they, so your parents can have relief. So I had to get over that in order to start my own business because, um, and in order for me to step into my authenticity and power, I had to, in some ways, let go of the idea of being a good daughter, being a, a, a daughter who repays my parents for their sacrifice. Right. And how did you break out of that good girl mentality? How did you say to yourself, like, okay, I, I'm actually going to do my own thing and be my own person and finding your passion and finding your purpose? It was a process. It wasn't like an overnight epiphany. It was a, I like to say a string of epiphanies that happened throughout my twenties. But one of the things I did was I quit my, my job and I decided to go take a break outside of any system. Because up until that point, I had always been in a system. I had always been in a school, or I'd always been at a job, or I'd always been in a family, and I, or I'd always, I had been part of a religion, right? Like Catholicism. So I'd always had been in some kind of system with a set of rules. I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go, you know, and speaking of privilege, I had the privilege to do that. So I was able to go out of any system and start to listen to myself. So one of the first places I went to, which is uh, 
you know, part of my story, some people can chuckle at this, but I went to Burning Man and Burning Man is an interesting <laughs> social experiment, right? Because it's like, well, we're really creatively expressive here. We don't have any money here. We're kind of, we have our own culture. It's counterculture, basically. I went into a little hub of counterculture and I learned so much about myself, about, I had a really pivotal moment where I took LSD, you know, and I don't recommend that everybody just take a psychedelic or drug for recreational purposes. I took it with a lot of mindfulness and a lot of intention and it helped open my mind. It helped break those logical structures of my mind and it helped me see the cage I have been put into up until that point. Uh, so that was a very pivotal experience. It helped me actually see the cage because you have to first see the cage before you can break out of it. You have to be like, oh, I'm in prison. Now, how do I get out? If you don't even see that you're in prison, you're never gonna, you're never gonna get out. So the awareness that that moment gave me was huge. I realized one huge realization I had out of that, Natalie, was actually I had been suppressing my creativity for so many years because, well, you, you're, you studied engineering, so you know, I had become so left-brained, you know, I wanted to be a researcher and I wanted to please my father who was a medical researcher. And I had just become so highly trained in that type of thinking. I completely let go of my source of creativity and magic. And some might call that feminine power. I had completely let that go. And then when I went into this counterculture space, I was able to really look at that and be like, holy crap. Um, so I started the journey of reclaiming that. Um, the next stop that I, I, I did was start to honor my creativity and I, and I went back to school for design, which was huge for me. I know it sounds like, wow, you went back to school, but I, this time I chose to go to school. It wasn't like I, it was just I was supposed to go. It was like, I want to do this design program because it's like really exciting to me and invigorating and I want to learn this process. And learning design was one of the best gifts of my life. Um, and I can share more what I mean by design, but I think design thinking, particularly where I learned it at Stanford, helped me overcome a lot of the good girl mentality I had around perfectionism, particularly. Mm -hmm. um, and I talk a lot about that in my book, Break the Good Girl Myth, how we can overcome the myth of perfection by embracing our creativity. And that, that's definitely been a huge part of my story. Are you saying like breaking the myth of perfection as if like you don't have to be perfect or you don't have to do things perfectly or what do you mean by that yeah i mean both so we have so much pressure that we put on ourselves to be completely perfect so i'll just read here what i mean by the myth of perfection in my book i say it sounds like i must perform at a high level at all areas of my life without breaking a sweat you know this idea of like effortless perfection or the paddling duck syndrome where the duck looks like they're gliding on the lake, but underneath they're paddling really quickly. So that feeling that that tendency to demand perfection in ourselves and others instead of embracing mistakes and the reality of how things are. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that even now though, with social media, for example, that's kind of 
really, really shown how many people are trying to look perfect. Like everyone's trying to look like everything is effortless and perfect and they're not failing. They're not making any mistakes. And I think it's actually really detrimental to not share our mistakes and not share our failures because then it just, again, everyone else feels like, okay, I can't make a mistake then because that person didn't and that's the only way to be successful. And I definitely think that that's on full blast in 2020 about not making mistakes. And I really hope that more people realize that it's actually important to fail and it's actually a good thing to fail sometimes. A hundred percent. Like we need to be able to make mistakes and fail in order to take risks. Like if we don't, that's the literally the backbone of taking risks. Um, If you're afraid of making mistakes, you will never take a risk in your life. And that's a problem because if you don't take risks, you're not going to grow. You're not going to expand yourself. You're not going to reach new heights. So in some ways, you have to break the good girl myth of perfection in order to step into your power and your truth. I say the powers you give up are creative confidence, vulnerability, and authenticity. Because when you're trying to be perfect, you're not being authentic, right? Right. Right. And that's what I think that's why people have a love-hate relationship with social media, including myself, particularly Instagram, because I'm like, wait a second, everyone's showing this like reel of um, their perfect lives. Um, or it's it's quite it's getting quite glossy over there. <laughs> Everything looks quite glossy, you know, <laughs> and and not not real real or messy. And I'm 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 at fault of this too, because I love design and aesthetics and beauty. And so I play into that as well. But I think we really need to start to break that with, um, that's why I'm really enjoying Instagram stories, obviously, and TikTok, because you're able to kind of like, yeah, just show that you're eating cereal at six o'clock and it's not a big deal. (laughs) Right. uh, Right. And you're in your pajamas and whatever. Yeah, no, I completely agree about social media. It is something that I also play into. Like, of course, I only want to show the good parts because I don't want to be reminded of the bad parts either. But I think with having a platform, it's important to show and to share with people that it's not all perfect all the time and that there are struggles going into it because you don't want people to think that, oh, like you're not going to succeed if you have a failure on your belt or whatever. You know, like you want people to realize that it's actually going to happen most likely to people that you're not going to be perfect all the time. Things might not work out, but as long as you learn from it, that's what matters. Yeah. I'm curious, Natalie, what's like the most scariest or vulnerable, messy thing you feel like you've put out there to date? So I had an online store. Um, I started this, I believe, right after I graduated college, actually. And I just really wanted to start a business. Honestly, I thought, oh, an online store, I like fashion. I'll start something like that. And so I started it and I just realized as I was doing it that I really didn't love this. I just kind of did it because I wanted to start something and I thought that this would be fun. And I didn't really think it through that much. And I had this launch party and I, I, everyone knew me as like owning a business and having a store and I eventually had to shut it down and I just didn't really tell people I shut it down. I just kind of let it disappear because I was so scared of telling people that I had to stop it and had to 
like shut down this business just because I was so happy when I started it. And I remember the response I got when I started it, like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. You're a business owner. And so I think that was something that was really scary of for me having to admit that that didn't work out, but that's okay because now I'm doing more things that I love, but just promoting it on such a big scale, like, Hey, I started this business. And then a year later having to shut it down was a really scary thing for me to admit to people. Mm, I love that story because I think, you know, sometimes we, we fear criticism and judgment, but oftentimes the, the flip side is actually the problem. Like when we receive a lot of praise and approval, you know, cause right. praise and approval feeds our good girl complex, right? Mm-hmm. All of that stuff actually makes us hooked onto it. We get addicted to it, but then we think, oh, now I can't show who I really am. I can't make the mistake. I can't have the failure because I'm not going to get that approval. Like, have you ever put out a post or maybe your listeners know they've maybe put out a post or they've said something and they've gotten crickets, you know, like they didn't, right. they didn't necessarily get criticism, but they didn't get a response. Mm-hmm. You know, that feeling where you're just like kind of disappointed because you wanted those likes, you wanted that, that hit of dopamine that you get when somebody approves of what you're doing. So I think we're all in that game right now with social, which is tricky. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I always think like the posts that you think are going to do well, never do. And then the ones that you are like, yeah, I'm just going to upload this. Why not? Those always are the ones that do a little better. I feel like. Yeah. Cause you're not overthinking and you're just like letting yourself be messy. Is that why? Yeah. Yeah. You just, it's not the best. It's not perfect. You didn't spend that much time on it, but people like that. People resonate with that. Yeah, that's true. And you were talking about an invisible cage that you had to break through and you had to actually see the invisible cage. What is an invisible cage that you think most women put themselves in? Well, I talk about the five good girl myths in the book and here they are. There's the myth of rules. So the cage of rules, right? And a lot of rules are invisible. They're not even rules that we know we're inheriting. And they come from all these systems like our school, our family, our religions, um, mainstream culture, like pop culture, Uh, the myth of perfection, which we talked about, the myth of logic. So you who studied engineering, maybe you know something about that, but that's my actual, my secondary myth. My primary myth is um, perfection. And the second one is logic. So that's a huge cage I think we can put around ourselves where we don't allow ourselves to have feelings and we don't allow ourselves, we don't give ourselves permission to have an imagination. You know, we just kind of cut ourselves down. So there's that. And then the other two myths I talk about in the book are uh, sacrifice and harmony. So the pressure that a woman feels to put others before their own, you know, put other people before herself is really big because that's like millennia old. Like that's not even like, that's like deep, deep conditioning from thousands of years of women expected, women being expected to put other people before themselves. So sacrifice is a huge cage that I see, um, particularly it's starting to get less with millennial women, but particularly women in their fifties and sixties, Basically, our moms, you'll see that a lot, right? And then harmony. Honestly, the myth of harmony was my favorite chapter to write. I freaking loved writing that chapter because it was all about, 
how we stifle our truth and our voice because we're afraid to lose a relationship. We're afraid to hurt a relationship. And so in order to keep the peace and in order to uh, make sure that the friendship is okay or the, the relationship with mom or dad and everything is okay, we don't actually speak our truth. We don't actually use our voice. We don't give feedback to people who need to hear feedback. And so that's another cage that I think we put around ourselves as women. So you asked for one cage, I gave you five, but basically it's one big cage I'll call good girl conditioning, but I break it down into five major tendencies, five myths that I think we all need to overcome to really reclaim our power and step, yeah, and step into our purpose. I mean, what you were saying about harmony is so true because I've caught myself in those positions so many times where I'm like, I'm just going to be quiet so that I don't cause conflict, so I don't cause controversy. I'm just going to sit here and be quiet and just not speak. And I've realized that that's actually hurtful to me because I have a voice and I can share it and I should share it. If other people are sharing theirs, I think that it's really important for you to realize that you have that same power too. And that's definitely something that I've been uh, learning, I would say, this past year of uh, trying to break out of that. Mm. Yeah, I'd be curious if you took the assessment, what you would get. I wonder if that's your primary myth. Um, myth the myth of harmony is huge. The more I talk to women, they're like, oh my God, I, I have that one. Um, you know, it starts in mostly in middle school for many of us where when we start, you know, in middle school, when you start to really, if you went to school in the States, you, you, you start to um, get your, your girl gang together. Right. And, <laughs> and it starts to become like, oh, you know, if I tell her this thing, she might not be friends with me anymore. And so what we start to see is we start to develop this trade-off. We start to see this trade-off like between our voices and the relationship. We're like, oh, which one do I choose? And often, more often than not, we choose the relationship. But think about the cost, the cost of that over time. Like you said, it starts to hurt you. It starts to, the cost is huge, really, when you think about it. Um, I think the cost is, uh, well, your truth, your power. It's also, there's an opportunity for the relationship to deepen, but you're not letting it because you're just going with the flow, you know? And in order for the relationship to grow and in order for it to mature, you need to speak up. You need to give feedback. You need to have a little friction. So, you know, maybe it's because I'm Latina and I'm used to my parents. When, when we were at the dinner table at home, we used to argue a lot. It's like mm-hmm. kind of like my roots are like Italian. So like we would just like, we would argue, but we would always know that at the end of the day, we loved each other. So arguing wasn't a big deal. Like having some friction between family members was not a big deal. We knew that we would still love each other. And so to have that feeling with your sisters and your friends, you know, Hey, you and I can have a little friction or with your boyfriend or partner, your spouse, Hey, you and I can have a little friction and we can still love each other. It's actually a natural part of the relationship growing. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's something a lot of people we really need to realize is that, for example, boyfriend, girlfriend, or just any relationship that you're in, 
Um, a lot of times if I'm fighting with my boyfriend, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. Like I hate fighting. Like I, I really hate fighting and he's a lot more like, it's okay. Like, well, like we're having a disagreement, but it's not like the end of the world. And I'm the one that's like trying to keep the peace a lot in like really, really, really hating when we do disagree or argue. But I've started to realize like, it's actually healthy as long as we're both handling it in a healthy way. It's not like a disagreement is a bad thing. Like, of course, if it gets out of hand and you guys start insulting each other or, you know, that's obviously not healthy, but just having disagreements is not a bad thing. Totally. Having disagreements is not a bad thing. It's a necessary thing. I would go a step further. It's a necessary thing for the relationship to mature. Right. Right. And I know that you were saying this starts when you're young, when you're in middle school, typically is when a lot of people start having that girl gang that you were talking about. What advice would you give someone that is young to how not to be trapped in this cage from a young age? Or do you think it's kind of inevitable? You mean like how, what advice would I give to like a 12 year old right now? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah. Like how would you try to take steps to have these girls starting at a young age to not be in this invisible cage. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting because my work is with adult women. So my, mm-hmm. I don't work with younger girls. I work mostly with women in their twenties and early thirties. And what I say to them is a few things. One is, um, you're talking about the invisible cage for harmony, right? Particularly harm- or good, good, good girl in general. Just good girl in general, like how to stop thinking that I have to be this perfect girl, this good girl, follow all the rules and just break out of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the number one thing, remember how I was talking about seeing the cage? Right. How many, how many of your listeners actually see their cage right now? Mm-hmm. Not, I don't probably, I feel like seeing the cage, it happens like you were saying with the string of epiphanies, like you start realizing things like, wait wait a second. Like, I don't need to be doing that or that's not right. Exactly. And my, that's why I wrote what I, I wrote the book because in the book, there's the assessment where you can see the cage. You can be like, Oh my God, my primary good girl myth is rules. And then there are solutions in there. So depending on what kind of good girl you are, there are different set of solutions, but I'll just talk about, let's use perfection as an example, because I think that one's very common. Mm -hmm. In order to get over perfection, you have to start doing and learning what what is called or known as prototyping. So prototyping comes from design. I know it's like such a practical thing. People are like, really? Like you expect me to say something inspirational right now? And I'm saying something (laughs) so freaking practical. You're going to be like, oh my gosh. Yes. You need to learn how to prototype your ideas because right. And start to think of things as a prototype. What is a prototype? It's a dinky version of your idea that you don't care about that you're willing to throw out, right? Right. So it's something you're willing to create quickly, doesn't cost you money, you're willing to throw it out, and you're willing to iterate on it. That creating prototypes, and you can prototype anything. You can prototype an idea, you can prototype any, any, a relationship. So to be able to be scrappy, and allow yourself to just prototype things so that you can learn and grow and not get rigid and perf- not start practicing the muscle 
of not being perfect. Mm -hmm. So I actually think prototyping, which is what I learned in through design thinking is a huge solution that it's, it's the core thing that builds creative confidence. So I, I mean, I'm going to give an example. One of my clients, she wanted to start a podcast. She was really afraid to start a podcast because it's like sharing your voice. It's really vulnerable. She didn't know. She had so many questions. What technology do I need? What, um, what should my podcast be about? So she was building it up in her mind, you know? Doesn't that sound familiar? I'm sure some of your listeners, like, I know exactly what that's like. You're building oh, it up. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then what happens? You're at, you're, you're stuck, you're blocked. Right. And yeah. so, so I worked with her on, let's just make a prototype of one episode. What does that look like? And at first she was like, cause you have to learn how to prototype. It's not, doesn't come naturally to a lot of people, unless you studied like industrial design or something, but even then it's hard to think this way. I'm like, so let's think like a designer. What, what would it, she's like, okay, I guess I could, I guess I could interview someone for 60 minutes and I could bring them to a studio. That could be one episode. I was like, whoa, that's big. Right. I'm like, what's the dinkiest, smallest thing you could do in under five minutes. She's like under five minutes. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm like, well, let's say I only gave you five minutes. You have to come up with a podcast episode. What do you do? She's like, I take out my phone. I open my voice notes. I start making a monologue. I pull my friend on the street and I ask her one question. I'm like, <laughs> great. You just had, you, you know, you just, you broke through something because you created a, a dinky version of it. Instead of thinking I have to buy millions of dollars of equipment and go get, rent a studio and find an influencer to interview for my first interview. It's like the bar is too high. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I always tell people don't compare your first episode to someone's hundredth episode. Same thing goes for YouTube. Same thing goes for your business. Don't compare your first day of your business to someone's second year, third year, fourth year, because you just can't. Exactly. Comparison. Now, if you, all of us get into comparison traps, but if you find yourself comparing a lot, you probably have the myth of perfection running your life. I know that that's been my big battle because that, that's my primary one. And literally comparing is the thing that I have to counteract every day and have to remind myself every day. I have my own path. I'm doing my own thing. It's okay. Take a deep breath. Even now, because the tendency is so strong and I love what you just said. You can't compare yourself to someone who's like been doing this for 10 years, you know? Right. Um, it just, you got to lower the, lower the bar for yourself. I think we grew up as good girls. If we grew up as good girls with high expectations, we, high expectations were placed on us and we placed high expectations on ourselves. And so that's often why it's hard to start something because we have put, we have raised the bar too high and we need to lower it and let ourselves be scrappy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always say that you're going to learn as you go. And also if you look at anyone that has started anything and look at their first product, their first episode, their first video, um, whatever that is, it's, it's always like night and day when you compare it, like they've grown so much since they started and that's going to happen with you. Like you can't expect perfection in the first day. Yeah. Not only can you not ex expect perfection, you have to allow yourself to be sucky. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. You have to be like, I'm going to suck at this for a period of time. And I'm going to go through a sucky, ugly, messy phase. And you know what? 
I embrace this because this is how I'm going to get started and this is how I'm going to move forward. That's right. how you create momentum. You start from a sucky place and generally you get less and less suckier. Mm -hmm. um, so I, you have to let yourself, you have to let yourself be ugly, be sucky. <laughs> um, that's really, and especially in the beginning phases of something. Right. And for people, especially now in quarantine, I feel like quarantine has really put a lot of stress on women and it's been a really hard time to start something or a lot of people are a lot more stressed right now. What would you say to those women who are worried right now, who want to start something or were on a good track and now this kind of set them back, they feel like? I would ask them this one question. What are you not allowing yourself to feel? Yeah, that's, yeah. I feel like we're pretending to be okay. <laughs> yeah. We are pretending to be okay. What has been your coping strategy during this whole crisis? I can tell you mine. Mine has been, let me just work, work, work and pretend nothing is going on out there. Uh, but for somebody else, they could have a different coping strategy. Like, let me escape and distract into fantasy world and like watch Netflix for seven hours. Or So look at your coping strategies and see that all these coping strategies are the way you deal with chaos. Cause right now we don't, nobody has control. We're like, we've been thrown into the big chaos, global chaos. So nobody has control. So when you don't have control, you try to cope and you go to a coping strategy. So what has been your coping strategy? Just take a look at that. And what I have found, if you grew up with a lot of pressure to be good, typically your coping strategy has been let me stay positive. Let me pretend everything's okay. Like, let me just try to continue to function. But the problem with that is that you have all this pent up emotion under the surface that you're not allowing yourself to express. And all that emotion has to go somewhere. And what does that, where does it go? It actually gets stuck in your body. And so what happens? You suddenly start to have inexplicable pain and ache in your body. You suddenly can't sleep. You lose appetite. Basically, you basically start having all these symptoms, right? So it's interesting. You have to look at the root cause and look at the emotion that is pent up. And so the most important thing I think women can do right now is actually release emotion. Mm -hmm. And your home can be a safe space to do that. You know, if you, if, if not your home, go into a little bedroom, <laughs> go into a closet and scream into a pillow, punch the shit out of that pillow, um, you know, cry, uh, laugh hysterically, like let yourself be a wild, yeah. crazy woman. Do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. Do what you got to do. Yeah. Like let it out. Let it, you know, let it, let it go. <laughs> let right, it go. No. I love that. I think it's it's also hard, especially if you are quarantining with family or isolating with family. It's hard because you want to, again, put up this image like everything's okay, everything's fine, we'll all get along. But if you do have those emotions, you have to find a way to release them. Yes, absolutely. You bring up such a good point. Sometimes, especially as mothers, we may feel the pressure to be on quote unquote and to do more emotional labor and to like 
try to make everything simulate that everything's okay and we put a lot of responsibility on our own shoulders uh, we need the self-care of just going batshit crazy <laughs> in a closet somewhere and letting it out letting it go i think that release is going to help it's going to help you sleep honestly it's going to help you eat normally again it's going to help you regulate your system so because a lot of it's happening on a subtle level like we don't even know how it's affecting us like especially mm-hmm. if you're like oh like i'm fine like quarantine hasn't been that bad for me well yeah cuz you have a certain degree of privilege which is great and fine great and you know you're not really allowing yourself to feel something probably grief um which is below the surface yeah no i mean i think that's an important thing to highlight during this time because it is okay to not be okay and i think we should start normalizing that mhm yeah I'm certainly up and down. I've been like super, like I've had some days where I've been like very functional, but like kind of in my coping strategy. And then I have some days where I'm like depressed, like feeling totally down when I actually understand the whole situation. I'm like, whoa, there's also like, it's a fire hose of information right now. So we really need to be gentle with ourselves and have appropriate boundaries, I think. Right. And before we go, I just wanted to ask a question that I ask a lot of people, which you have given such great advice on this podcast, but what is one of the best pieces of advice you've received in your early 20s and your teenage years when you were younger? What's the best piece of advice that you want to leave us with? I'm really hard on myself. And I think the best piece of advice I've been given is um, to be kind to myself. Mm -hmm. And I try to remember to do it every day. I don't always remember, but, you know, whenever I feel like I'm not doing enough or I feel like I have feelings of failure or if I feel depressed, I just like put a hand on my heart and take a deep breath and send myself some love and say something like, you're doing okay, Maho, like, it's okay, dear. You know, and I talk to myself in an affectionate way and I notice that re- relaxes my entire system. So I guess I would say the, the big gem that I feel I've, of advice that I've been given was from a meditation teacher around self-compassion. Yeah, that's so important. And it's not ever really taught, I feel like. No, it's not taught. The opposite is taught. Self-criticism is what we learn. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like, do better, do better, do better. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Maho, for being on my podcast. I would love to have all of your links in the show notes, but where can they find you and your book? Thanks, Natalie. I so enjoyed this. You can find out more about me and my book at goodgirlmyth.com. Awesome. I will have everything in the show notes and I would really love for people to take the quiz so that we can all kind of compare to see what our good girl myth is or our creative feminine power, which mine was rebellion. I was sharing with her before the podcast, which I think is very, very fitting for me. (laughs) Yes. Love that. Yes. My free quiz is online where you discover your power. In order to find out about your good girl myths, you got to buy the book. But good news is, is if you pre-order before July 28th, you'll get a free bonus training uh, where I'll support you in defining a creative dream you've always wanted to do. I love that. Well, I will have all the links in the show notes, but thank you again for coming on my podcast. Thanks, Natalie. I loved talking with you.
thank you guys again for listening i hope that you guys liked it be sure to follow us on instagram join the facebook group um listen to us on youtube and watch the videos on youtube i think that will also be just a really great video element to it but thank you again for listening and watching and i really hope that you guys enjoyed today's episode and i will see you guys with another episode of the real world podcast bye guys Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.